Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. So we are rapidly approaching 2018. It's approaching the end of December, you know, the holidays, which is always a challenging time, but a very significant time because this is when those weight loss goals and New Year's resolutions, people are starting to plan them getting ready for the new year. Yeah. With patients, we've always talked about, okay, over the holidays, the whole goal is not to gain weight, is to stay, you know, try to stay level. And then after the holidays, let's hit the ground running. Yeah. And of course, we always have the best intentions. But, you know, of course, you know, we talk about hormones all the time, weight, weight gain, weight loss has to be part of that conversation. Because as we've said on other podcasts, if you've been listening to us for a long time, if you're one of our patients, we focus on hormones versus calories. Are calories important? Yeah, calories are important. We'll talk more about that later. They're not as important as we've been led to believe they are, but they are important and kind of in a different way than what you think they're important. We'll talk about that later as well. But for this one, we're just going to talk about the proverbial belly fat. I know that we both have people, you know, they come in, they're somewhat emotional, they're frustrated, they're, you know, sad, they're angry that they, you know, they can't get rid of the weight that they've accumulated around the middle. And I don't think it necessarily is age, but it is a common theme, maybe just with my patient population is that's what I see in in females. They complain about the belly fat that, you know, they grab their stomach and they'll say, I've never, you know, I've never had a stomach before. Where did this come from? And usually they're in their forties because I do think, like I said, it's not age, but I think there is a striking difference between your metabolic hormones, of course, when you're 20, than when you're 40 and like we've always talked about, we're not going to let age slow us down, but it is that more for that change in those metabolic hormones that happen over time. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, part of that is there's a decline, an inevitable decline of the female hormones. So in some ways, it makes the body somewhat more responsive or more receptive or those metabolic hormones as you're talking about, particularly the insulin and the cortisol, they cause more problems at that point. Life doesn't change much, right? You know, life is the same, probably has been the same for, you know, years, probably even a decade. And all of a sudden they hit this magical, unbeknownst to them, they hit this period in their life and all of a sudden their body just doesn't cooperate anymore. Oh yeah, they'll complain, you know, I'm eating well, and truly they are eating a very well-balanced, healthy diet, and they're trying to exercise more, so they're eating well, they're exercising more, but if, if anything, the weight is not coming off, it might even be coming on, and then they're, of course, they're frustrated, because then I'm, you know, we talk and laugh a little bit about it, about saying, well, darn it, you didn't even get to earn it, it'd be different if you got to go eat cheeseburgers and shakes and french fries all day long, and then you got to earn the weight gain, if anything, you're, you're doing more work, and it's not getting you where you want to go. 
Yeah. Now, again, this is obviously a very important thing, and we certainly don't have all the answers when it comes to losing weight. It is a very complicated problem. It's not a math equation, right? That's what everybody has been trying to do for 50 years, if not longer, is energy in, energy out. Just drop how much you consume and increase how much you expend, you know, eat less, exercise more, and you'll lose weight. That worked when you're in your 20s. For men and women, that worked very well when you're in your 20s. Once you get past the age of 35, 40, that approach does not work any longer. Absolutely. And I have patients that have these apps on their phone and they'll be recording in what they're eating, their calories, their exercise, which is supposed to subtract, you know, the amount of calories. And they'll tell me that they're in a deficit of like 400 calories from what they ate and what they exercised, but they still gained three pounds because... It would be awesome if that, you know, calories in versus calories out actually worked. You know, once you hit, like Dr. Mackey's saying, around 35 and plus, that'd be fantastic. But it, you know, things change. It doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, right. That's a little bit too simplified of a solution to really have the success you want. And what do women do? And we're, unfortunately, we're kind of picking on women here a little bit. What do women do? If they eat less, exercise more doesn't work, then they eat less and exercise even more. And then you're really compounding the problem because we'll get to that in a minute as to why. And now you're really frustrated because now you're working your, you're literally, you're working your butt off and the problem is getting worse. And it's funny how you say you're working your butt off because people, you know, women won't complain about that, you know, it's really so much in their bum as it is, like I said, in their stomach. And and a lot of times we'll see kind of a, a couple of themes here, but I'll see women that come in and they'll say, hey, I'm gaining so much weight in my waistline. My pant size has gone up, but they'll comment on how their thighs haven't gotten bigger. If anything, they've actually got thinner. So you'll see that kind of theme where the waistline expands, but the legs get thin or you'll see just kind of all of it, you know, the, what do they call it? The muffin top and the back fat and the belly fat. They're like, you know, they're like, where did this all come from? Especially since I haven't changed anything. And I'll have people that maybe don't exercise more or eat less. They haven't changed their dietary habits in the last 10 years, but all of a sudden, boom, you know, something's happening. Yeah, right. Now, what we've talked about on other podcasts, when we're evaluating someone from a, you know, in a clinical perspective, you know, we're always looking at the what we refer to as those metabolic hormones, the primary metabolic hormones, the hormones that we cannot live without, the hormones that if we did not have those hormones, we would not live. Someone's got type 1 diabetes and their body doesn't produce insulin, they don't live very long. If you don't have cortisol, you don't live very long. If you don't have thyroid hormone, you don't live very long, right? Those are very, very essential, important hormones that really have an impact on everything else in the body the immune system, the digestive tract, not to mention all the other hormones that are in the body. So there's this kind of trickle down effect. So those have to be kind of taken into consideration because they do have the largest impact on the body, you know, on a day by day, almost an hour by hour basis when we're navigating through our day, our week, our month, our year. So over time, there's this very specific message that is being communicated to the body and the body is just trying to survive in whatever way that it can. And unfortunately, that attempt at survival for the body is actually to gain weight, which is unfair and it doesn't really help. But we're going to kind of tease that apart a little bit and try to hopefully give some explanation so you can look at your own lives and see what you're doing on a regular basis. Because we do see some very 
fundamental mistakes that seem to happen over and over and over and over and nobody can figure out why they're not having any success but you know collectively as a group as a population people are making kind of really the same mistakes over and over all the time yeah like dr mackey's saying you know the insulin and the cortisol we can't live without those we can live without estrogen and progesterone and you know we can live without testosterone so we can live without out our reproductive hormones but we have to have insulin and cortisol and the body doesn't understand what's going to happen in 20 minutes, what's going to happen in two hours, what's going to happen in two weeks. It only wants to live. It's only concentrating on this moment right now. So when you're thinking about those metabolic hormones shifting, let's say a, a bear runs out of the woods and it's going to attack me. My insulin and cortisol do funny things. My adrenaline goes up. My body mobilizes glycogen from my large muscle store so that I can run like the wind. But I'm not in a particular place where bears are going to attack me, but the body can't differentiate between being attacked by a wild animal and I just got a nasty phone call from a coworker or, you know, I got in a fight with one of my family members or I found or I got some bad news. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're blessed in this country to have a really good quality of life, but sometimes we turn things that are just normal part of everyday living into really big stressful problems in the body. As you said, the body can't differentiate that. We deal with a lot of psychological stress these days where maybe before, maybe what our bodies were designed for was more physical stress or like you said, being confronted with something like that's almost like a life or death situation. We don't really have to worry about, thank God, we don't have to worry about those kind of situations anymore, but we can kind of turn something relatively simple into a really big deal. I think social media, the internet, the TV, you know, all these different things kind of magnifies some of the problems sometimes and that perception of stress right that's all stress is stress is a perception of how we see our reality and that every single time that is being turned into some kind of hormonal response yeah and i you know my patient population is probably majority females and i have amazing patients but you know, a lot of times we end up overextending ourselves. You have families you have to take care of. You have a job you have to deal with. You have family commitments. You have church commitments. There's a lot of, you know, it's almost like their plate is so full, even though they're all good things. It doesn't mean that they're bad, you know, bad things. It could be good things, but there's still stressors on the system. The body doesn't understand good stress, bad stress, or a bear's running out of the woods at me. It still mobilizes a lot of those metabolic hormones. And over time, you see a shift and a change in those. Yeah. And then on top of all the things you just said, all the family and work responsibilities, then what happens? Then women are also trying to go to the gym three to five times a week and going on the treadmill and doing their, their boot camp class or their spin class or this or that. And that is just another stress added to the mix. There's not enough hours in the day, the week of the month or the year to get all those things done. And now you shift those metabolic hormones even more in a skewed fashion. And now what we've referred to in the past is, you know, non-caloric weight gain. Your calories are too low, but you're still gaining weight or it's inhibiting you from actually being able to lose the weight. And now you're in this perpetual plateau that you can't seem to break through or the scale just keeps going up and up and up and up. And, you know, we're talking a little bit more specifically about insulin and cortisol. So you think when you eat something like a cracker or something that's a carbohydrate base that turns into glucose, your pancreas releases insulin and that insulin allows that glucose to be able to get into the cell for energy. But so that's important. You know, we need insulin to live. But what's interesting is if you have too much insulin and we're not talking about diabetes here, but let's say you make a little bit more insulin or you have insulin, as we've always called it, on top of insulin, that'll make you more prone to gaining weight than somebody else that doesn't have that issue. 
Yeah. And I've been talking about insulin for a long time. That's kind of been my thing. My dad was a long-term cardiac patient. He died of his fifth heart attack, a uh, heart disease. The disease process that you know leads to heart attacks and strokes is ultimately is an insulin problem. So I've been trying to figure that problem out for a very long time. And instead of focusing just on heart disease, realizing that insulin resistance is what you're referring to, insulin on top of insulin, there's a lot of potential problems, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, fatty liver disease, PCOS, that's another female problem we talk about a lot. And then of course, weight gain and obesity are boiled down to be an insulin problem. However, what we're talking about on this episode is kind of the balance between insulin and cortisol. If you have an insulin problem, you have a cortisol problem and vice versa. And our society is really kind of a, an insult to insulin and cortisol literally on a daily basis. So let's say you've eaten something and that insulin comes up and it allows that glucose to get into the cell and then I'm eating really fast and I get some bad news or I get, you know, a stressor or I have to be at a meeting, I have to give a speech, I have 10,000 things to do and I'm not going to be able to get them done in time, my cortisol is going to start to rise. And so even though I've eaten, my glucose is fine, my insulin had come up, that cortisol coming up because I'm stressed out thinking about all the stuff that I have to do, all of a sudden that cortisol actually mobilizes more glucose from, so it basically breaks down your muscle tissue to convert it into glucose and then look, we have more insulin coming from the pancreas having to deal with that. So it's interesting. Cortisol is almost like that kind of um, pinball that you have no control over what it's going to hit in your body. Because when that stress goes up, the cortisol goes up, and then it actually causes more insulin. And then a lot of times too, because that insulin is starting to raise, my glucose is going up and down. And then I might want to have a little piece of chocolate or maybe a little cookie in the afternoon to kind of get my energy going. And then because that insulin is already raised, it immediately takes that and stores it into a fat cell. Yeah, right. So you have this hormonal signal, this hormonal and enzymatic signal that is shifted in one direction. And the hormones are kind of skewed in such a way that it, it's basically telling the body to do one thing, regardless, really, in some ways, regardless of your caloric intake, because the pattern is there over and over and over. So can we say that stress causes people to gain weight or at least inhibits their ability to lose weight? I think in a lot of cases, yes. A lot of it is somewhat self-induced. That's why we talk a lot about exercise. They just had a case recently young woman in her early 30s, her normal walk around weight is relatively low, like 100, 105 pounds. And her boyfriend happens to be a bodybuilder. And she you know, was working out with him and you know, training and doing whatever he does. I don't know if they're exactly had the exact same workouts, but they had relatively the same frequency. And within a matter of, you know, six months or a year, she put on 50 pounds. She gained not muscle, mind you, she went from 100, 105 pounds to 155 pounds. And then I asked her, of course, well, what did you do? You know, did you keep going? She Then she cut her exercise down to two days a week and she lost 25 pounds. That's something that we see all the time. I don't know how many times in situations like this, I've told patients to actually stop exercising because they're doing it three, four, five, six times a week, creating that stressful environment. And they can't understand why because they're exercising so much, they can't understand why the weight's not going down. But what we're talking about, this cortisol problem becomes almost perpetuated and it makes it very, very difficult for them to have the success they want. That's true. I mean, I've been talking a lot about mental stress causing that cortisol to come up, hence then that insulin. But Dr. Mackey's right. The physical stress will also bring that cortisol up. I've had patients that do, you know, the those metabolic conditioning classes are 
make you feel amazing. People love them, but they do raise up your cortisol that I've had a few patients that I actually have had to write letters for to try to at least not get rid of their membership, but maybe put it on hold for a while till we can work on the adrenals and work on balancing the hormones and those metabolic hormones so that they can do those classes again, or maybe not do them quite at the frequency they were doing them. Yeah. And that, you know, I don't know why that has turned into be such an issue. I think the fitness industry pushes this high intensity training. And I think there's a fine line there. The higher your intensity, it has to be short duration and the frequency can't be very much. You can't do it five days a week. You can't do it four or five, six days a week and have a job and have family and have all these responsibilities and be over the age of 35 or 40. You just can't. If you're 25, you could probably do it. Boot camp in general, like with the military, who goes to boot camp? Young men in their early 20s. 20s, late teens, early 20s go to boot camp. Women as well, you know, they can handle those types of things. As time goes on and those hormones are changing, it's not that more is better. In some ways, less is better or a little bit of a different approach needs to be taken. And now granted, we can't rewind time or say, oh, let's you know, I wish I could have changed things because we're always going to live in kind of a low chronic stress world. You know, whether you have to drive to work 45 minutes, you know, that's stressful. Whether you have a thousand emails you have to do for work, that's stressful. Whether you have, you know, great family communication and things to do and church commitments, you know, that's still stressful. So our life isn't going to change. So we've kind of worked out, well, what can we do to try to reduce down that insulin and cortisol specifically, not just to sort of rebalance those metabolic hormones, because once you can get insulin and cortisol down, you can maintain that. But then of course the other side to it, because it is the end of the year is, well, what can I do to reduce down cortisol and insulin so that I can lose the belly fat? Yeah, right. Yeah. And there's the, what's the cliche or the adage, you know, the abs are made in the kitchen, right? Now I think men are more concerned about having six pack abs. I don't think that that is, I think women would probably describe it as how you being a woman, how would you describe maybe a flat tummy or a flat stomach? Women are not looking for six pack abs necessarily. No, no, no. I mean, we just want, you know, a nice flat stomach so that when you sit down, you know, your pants aren't uncomfortable and we all, and trust me, us ladies, we have our fat pants and our skinny pants. We want to fit into the skinny pants. Sure. Right. So that whole process for males or females is really developed. You really can create that environment in the kitchen. It's not necessarily, especially when it is Again, our, we always say our listeners are very savvy. Our patients are very savvy. So there's this idea that when the weight is redistributed around the middle, the muffin top around the midsection, that is, as you've already stated, that is cortisol redistributed body fat. Stress goes up, your body breaks down muscle tissue, breaks it down into amino acids, it uses it, it turns it into sugar basically. That causes a rise to your insulin. And when that happens, when you don't really need the extra blood sugar, your body is forced to have to deal with that blood sugar somehow, so it just decides to store it, and for some, whatever reason, your body likes to store it around the middle. Okay, Women typically do not store body fat around the middle. Women typically store body fat around the hips and thighs as a gender-specific area, so that's why this is such a frustrating thing when you and then again when you're trying to accomplish it through exercise right eating less exercising more you're only perpetuating that problem so we have to kind of undo that undo some of the conditioning undo some of the process and strategy that is being employed and this is why all the time we both tell people you need to exercise less cut it in half cut it in a third stop completely don't do any more high intensity courses maybe do some yoga maybe do some meditation maybe do some light weight training because in 
in that environment, you're breaking, as we've already stated a couple of times, you're breaking down that muscle tissue and you're raising your insulin. So you kind of have the double whammy there. You're losing muscle mass and your insulin's going up. That's a recipe for disaster for anybody. Absolutely. Or even walking. You know, you didn't mention walking. Everybody, you know, I think everybody could go walking. Walking doesn't brace up your cortisol. That's a great way. It's a great thing for your adrenal glands. And and we're human, so you know our bodies are meant to be moving. So walking is good, but Dr. Mackey's right. You've got to cut back on that exercise to try to reduce down that cortisol. And then we have, you know, this podcast is is about, you know, how is that belly fat happening? Why do I have this belly fat? Sure, there is a change in with time as we get older, but I do see also younger females that have gone through tremendous amounts of stress. I'll see them even in their late 20s or early 30s, and they have this metabolic sort of hormonal imbalance that we want to work on. But ultimately, you know, kind of that, you know, one sentence phrase is we got to reduce down the cortisol, which by then also reduces down the insulin. So, or if you reduce down the insulin, that'll also reduce down the cortisol response on the body. Yeah, yeah. And they both kind of happen in tandem for the most part, which is a good thing. Sometimes easier said than done, right? Because we still all have to live our lives and go to work and go to sleep and get up and do it all over again. So that's the other thing too. You know, we're talking about the belly fat. You accomplish that in the kitchen. You accomplish that by what you're eating, what you're not eating or how you're eating or the timing of that. But also what we've talked about on a couple of recent episodes as well is focusing on sleep quality. Sleep quality in this context is way more important than the exercise, partially because it does, you know, that's like one of the first steps to balancing your cortisol or your adrenal function in general is making sure that you get good, adequate sleep at night. Absolutely. If you listen to a few podcasts before, we talk about trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep. You know, I have people that wake up all the time at night. But with that said, if you can get somebody sleeping, it can kind of help kind of especially raises up the growth hormone, but it definitely helps with those metabolic hormones. So that's, you know, the first step. And then as Dr. Mackey said, you know, in the kitchen, how we eat, when we eat it, how often we eat it, what we don't eat. So we're going to kind of go through a, a few kind of like a podcast series on ways to reduce down that insulin and that cortisol. And we actually have a few things that we've written up that we would love for you to read if you're open to that. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about this on a couple of episodes before the break that we had, episode 11, 12, 13, we we're kind of leading up to the KCCP program that we put together, which is the Keto Carb Cycling Program. We've made some adjustments to it. We've been giving it out to patients, and we have created a new content library on our website. So you can go to the progresshealth.com and you'll see it right there. It's very easy. You just enter your name and email, and then you get access to the KCCP and then a few other resources that we have in there that we use with people to kind of help you in this early stage of 2018. And that way you can actually hopefully accomplish the goal that you set up for yourself. Yeah, and it's absolutely free. All you have to do is enter in your name and email, and we have the KCCP. So we, you know, we started talking with this podcast about belly fat. We're going to kind of go into more of the mechanics of the KCCP, like how do you get into ketosis? How do you complement that with intermittent fasting and then cycling in some carbohydrates? So we're going to go through that. We could go through that on this podcast, but we'd probably be sitting here for about an hour and a half to yeah, two hours. Right, right. So we're going to break it up into a few different episodes. Again, it is meant for educational purposes. So if you are dealing with any kind of major metabolic or you know medical challenges, certainly talk with your doctor first that has a better understanding of your situation. We're just trying to educate and bring some things to light, you know, things that have worked with our patients. But like I said, 
talk with your doctors first. Sometimes they're not really sure. Sometimes they don't have an opinion. Sometimes they might not be up to date on the newest information, but still have that conversation. But the resources are there and we will continue hashing out some of the different aspects of the KCCP and what we feel is important for you to have the success you want. And also help with the belly fat because right. I, I know Dr. Mackey talked about cardiovascular disease and, you know, we're talking about preventing diabetes. I mean, working on bringing down your cortisol can only improve your health and your longevity over time. But like I said, a lot of us ladies, we just really want to fit into our pants yeah, a little right. better. Yeah, short-term right. goals, our short-term goal. We have our long-term goal with longevity and health, but short-term goal, sure would like to get into those skinny jeans again. Absolutely. Yeah. Certainly there's nothing wrong with the short-term goals because if you accomplish those short-term goals, then automatically those long-term problems are you're avoiding them when the strategy that you employ is actually the right one. So do you have anything else to add for this one or can we wrap this one up for now? No, no. Yeah. Let's wrap this one up. So we're going to go into, you know, after this podcast, a little bit of a series. And probably the most important part that we'll get to is because people can lose weight. Some people do, they lose weight, but they don't do it appropriately. So what we're going to get into a little bit more about calories and ketosis and intermittent fasting and how to cycle in those carbohydrates, but at the same time, so that we don't gain it back because how many people have lost weight only to gain it back? Yeah, right. That's the challenge for sure. So until another episode of the Progression Health Podcast, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.